today we are talking, as Craig said, about go and make disciples. Boy, that is an important thing. It has always been important. It is not like this is just something new. But I hope, pray, that you feel some urgency about making disciples. Craig said it really well, and boy, we don't have many new songs about going and making disciples. It's not that people aren't making disciples. It's not that people aren't going But somewhere over time, a focus has been lost by the church, not just by us, but I mean in in general of saying, hey, we need to talk to people about Jesus. We need to show Jesus in our lives. It's at one point, that's kind of who we were. And then over time, it became politically correct not to talk about those things because we don't want to offend anyone. But there are times that we have to take the chance of offending someone so that we can tell them where salvation is. And so if we are so shy about that, we have to find a way to do that. You know, because it is the last words Jesus said when he was on earth to his disciples. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it is a commandment to them, but it is also to us. It is our commission of who we're to be, what we're to be. When Jesus it says he came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age or end of the earth, your version may say. These are the last words. We call this the Great Commission. Sometimes in the past, preachers would talk about the two things we need to do are the great commandments and the great commission, and then everything else will will flow into that. Boy, there's some power in that, of going to all the world and to preach the gospel, but to make disciples. You know how important it is to make disciples, people who follow Jesus, and how important it is that we follow Jesus. God's plan, as you see it right there, is disciples making disciples. This isn't something we, something we leave for someone else. This is for us to go and make disciples, wherever that may be. It's what we're called to do. Kind of borrowing a concept from someone else, he said, what we're to do is to, to find people who are curious about godly things or about Jesus or spiritual things, find people who are curious and then convince them of Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, and the light, convince them, but then have that lead them to being convicted that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that when we are convicted of Jesus, I can't help but talk about Jesus because because of what he's done in my life. If I am what we sometimes call a cultural Christian, I may not realize what Jesus is doing. I may not realize what God is doing in the, in the world or how he's changed my life. And so I don't have anything to talk about. One of the things I love to ask people is, tell me how Jesus has changed your life. I say this to Christians. Or tell me about, about what God has done in your life. And sometimes I go, I don't know. Well, let me say, I'm not going to ask you that question today, obviously, for specifically. But I want you to think about it. What has God done in your life? Because if you can't think about it, think of anything, you're not thinking. 
because God has done incredible things in the lives of every single one of us, and those are the things that should be pouring out of our hearts. Now, often when we think about making disciples, we think about missions, and and this congregation believes in missions hanging off the balcony. We see those flags always that we talk about, but Memorial is making disciples around the world. For example, you see this list, and this I'm sure I've left some places off, but in Africa, we have missionaries in Nigeria and Malawi and Eswatini and South Africa. We've been in South Africa for more than 60 years through the work that now Kirk, Kirk Eason does and before that the Horns did and so many others have been involved in, not just in one congregation, but in training preachers to go out and start other congregations to make disciples, people in In Europe, many of you know of Dino Russo, who's often here and the work there. But it's not just about the church in Greece and Athens, although that's a strong, vibrant church. But they work with those Middle Eastern refugees to help folks there know Christ who are coming out of Islam and have questions. The work that's done in Russia, in in Siberia, that is supported by, by the church here in Israel. Do you realize we support what is now the only... Church of Christ in Israel. Is that not hard to believe? And not only are we proud and honored and humbled to get to support that work, it's in the same city where Jesus grew up, in Nazareth. Is there not something incredible about that? To think about through our money and our prayers and maybe through your visits that we support those kinds of things? In Latin America, you know that we have many that we work with in Mexico and Venezuela and one of, in a war-torn country in Chile and Colombia and Asia. What's done through India and the Philippines, through, through the Pabellons and others. And India soon, Kurt Picker will be here to speak in a few weeks. Uh, not about India per se, but will be here and he's done so much work there. Of course, many of you have been on mission trips to Haiti and you have worked in various ways through medical missions and through orphanages there. But it doesn't stop there. It's even at home and trips to McAllen with our youth groups, junior high and high school and adults and going at Christmas time. And then every time there is a hurricane that hits our country, we send money or send people to help, not just so that we can rebuild houses, but so that we can do that in the name of Jesus So that people will say, who is this Jesus that has compelled you to come and and give your money and to give your vacation time to help rebuild us? You remember what was done in Harvey and the number of houses that were rebuilt or, or restored to where they had been at one time or close to where they had been and all the work so many of you did in the name of Jesus. That is all about disciples living like Jesus, and disciples making disciples. Let me tell you, international missions is great. I love international missions. Barbara and I, missionaries for seven years in Brazil, I went on four mission trips to Mexico, to, to Brazil when I was in college. I've been on mission trips to Mexico and to other places, and I love it. I love it. It's in my very heart. I, I, I want to talk about it all the time. But international missions are vital, but there is more to making disciples than just sending our money across the sea. That's important, don't stop doing it, but there's so much more to it than that. You know, there are some fears right now in missions. 
because in some parts of the world, in some parts of the United States, churches of Christ, as well as many other religious groups, have been shrinking. And missions get worried about that. And you can understand why, because if we shrink, what does that mean for them? There is also work to be done right here in the United States. Houston needs Jesus. I am so glad you said amen without me saying say amen. Houston, Texas needs Jesus. We don't stop helping missionaries across the world, but we better be helping, mission, helping our neighbors right now, right here. There are so many things that are making people question faith and question themselves and question God like never before it feels like. You know, after this, this epidemic or whatever we call it that we're going through and, and, and people are wondering what does all this mean and it just seems like it goes on forever and ever, doesn't it? And people are gripey with each other because of, of how it all goes and people are either way over here or way over here and, and it's just a rough time and we're in the middle of an election and all these things going on. People in Houston need Jesus. Not more than ever, because they've always needed them. I, I, I love what, what Bob Goff, some of you have read Bob Goff's works or seen his videos, and, and he talks about what it was like when Jesus said, said to the original apostles, you know, come follow me. And of course, this is all just his explanation of it. But he says, basically, Jesus is saying, come on and follow me and we'll do stuff. Because you realize when they started following Jesus, they didn't know what they were going to do. They just dropped their nets that, well, we know we're not going to be fishing for fish anymore, but we don't know what we're going to do. Let me say, that's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, and even to folks in this room who have been disciples for decades. We don't necessarily know what we're going to do for Jesus, but if Jesus is in it, we want to be a part of it. That is part of making disciples, and we want people in Houston to know Jesus. Now, I understand right now, as far as statistics go and, and all of those things go, this is an odd, this is an odd time. Pre-COVID, pre-COVID, only 42% of Texans attend church weekly. Now, you might say, in Houston, we're in the Bible Belt. Officially, we're not in the Bible Belt, but we're close enough we can touch it, Okay. But we're not quite there. Dallas is considered part of it, but we're not officially considered part of it. But we're so close. As far as churches of Christ go, there are more congregations in greater Houston than any city in the country. But part of that is because of our size. Greater Houston is the size of Connecticut. So, so because of that, that that's part of the, the reason. And you know how many people live here. You also know that in most cases, rural people are more apt to attend a church service than in an urban setting. So it's probably not even 42% were attending before in Houston. So what that says is, I've got some work to do. I want to tell my neighbors, I want to tell my friends about Jesus. I want other people to know that Jesus is Lord because of what I have found in Christ. I want them to know, and I want to share, not because I'm wanting to be in their face, not because I'm wanting to be offensive, but because I love them. I want them to know. Only 69% of people in Texas believe with certainty in God. 
69%. That is so hard to believe, isn't it? But I bet if we were to ask our neighbors, and even if we were to do a poll in this room right now, there would probably be some, and I don't know who you are, but there would probably be some say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And so there is all kinds of work for us to do. There are people for us to share the gospel with. We can't say, okay, we have totally, we have totally taken the gospel to everyone in Houston. There's no need to do this anymore. No, absolutely there is. So how? How? Now let me say, some of you, many of you in this room or in my class, my Zoom class on, not Zumba, but in my Zoom class, <laughs> can you imagine, uh, on Wednesday nights. And we, <laughs> I know, it's just a bad picture, I'm so sorry. Oh, some things you just wish you could take back. But in the, one, we've studied Luke for like a year and a half or two years. One of the things Luke always does is Luke introduces his, his characters. Obviously, it's all inspired by God. He introduces people early, and then you see them developed later on. What I'm doing right now is introducing this concept of discipleship, and later on, we are going to hear all kinds of stuff about discipleship. So today, what do they say? Put that in your hat or something like that, and remember this, because this is going to be important later. But how do we make disciples? There's no quick, fast formula. These are just things that make sense, okay? I talk about the one I love. I just talk about the one I love. That's not that hard, is it? You know, you just talk to people. You can tell very quickly what interests them, right? You remember going all the way back to Dale Carnegie and How to Win Friends and Influence People? You remember that book? And, and if, if you want it, it's, it's, like, it's like a penny on Amazon with $3.99 shipping. It's still a great book, even though it's 100 years old. He says, you just listen to people talk, and you'll know what their interests are right away. You listen to, just, just throw out a question or two. They'll tell you. When I'm talking to people at work, or I'm talking to people in the neighborhood, or I'm talking to friends... Do I ever talk about Jesus? That if he is one that I really love, if I say everything is, is, is based on Jesus and on his word and on his gospel, does Christ come out of my mouth? Do people know that the reason that I believe the way I do, the things that are the fundamentals I stand for, are because of Christ? So all I've got to do in a non-offensive way is just talk about Jesus. Well, you know, based on my faith and based on, on, on my relationship with, with Christ, you know, this is why I'm doing this. Just talk. Just talk. Just like you would talk about sports or you'd talk about your family or you'd talk about the weather. Talk about the one you love. Don't shy away from that. And I pray for those I love. I don't I pray to God, obviously, about the people I love that are around me. Lord, please give me an opportunity to talk about you to them. Please, Father, bless them so that they can be in a place that they will be willing to hear the good news of Jesus. See, I just talk. And it's, it's not so hard to just talk, right? Some, some of us, boy, we can talk to the wall, right? Others of us, it's a little more difficult. But for most of us, many of us, we can talk to anyone. So I'm talking to other people about Jesus, and I am also praying to the Lord about those I love. 
There was a group a long time ago, the Sun Life, that came up with a plan that basically is just a plan that using the words that, that uh, Paul used. When he says that what we do is we cultivate and we plant and we reap. We just talk. And people aren't ready for a Bible study right then. We don't say, we don't walk into work tomorrow and say to someone, hey, I have a portable baptistry in the car. Would you like to be baptized? You know, that's, that's not going to work, right? And you're not going to go up to someone and, and say something like that. But there's a way that we cultivate the ground. So, and we plant the seed. That is Jesus. And later on, we let God give the increase and bring souls to him. He said, okay, well, David, well, that's all great. And I know, and boy, rah, rah, and maybe some people go do that. Why don't you go do that? You're paid to do that. Well, in a way, I guess I am, but I would do it even if I weren't. So what do I have to share? What do I have to share? Well, I have salvation to share. I believe in Jesus. I don't mean I just believe Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that people who are in Christ will be saved. I believe that. And I want to share that. I don't want to share it because I want to cause a controversy. I don't want to share that because I just want to be different and weird. I don't want to share that just because, just because the preacher said to do it. I want to share it because I love people. The pe people in my family or the people I work with, whoever they are, I I want them to know the same peace that passes understanding that I have. You know what's wonderful? As bad as the world some days feel, feels, as bad as it feels some days, I always have hope. I always say, Lord, you're there, and I know you're going to work all this out. Lord, I anticipate the day that I'm going to live with you forever. We have salvation. It's incredible. We have something to share. We have relationships to share. Some of you in this room and some of you who are watching online, are, you have made your very best friends in the world in church, in your Bible class, in your small group. I mean the very best friends you've ever had. Don't you want other people to know that? You know, there are a lot of people out there that don't have real friends. Some of us in this room may not have real friends, and it might be, not for sure, but it might be because we're not very involved in church life, where those friends would be. And so we kind of stay on the outside, you know, I'll kind of put my toe in the water, but not quite get all the way in. Well, maybe that's part of the issue. But so many of us, I mean, this is it. We know, and you have those relationships to share. You're not trying to hoard all your friends for yourself. You're, you want to bring people into that so that they can enjoy that great life you have with these Christian folks. And then as I've already alluded to, the other thing I have to share is hope. Boy, on the, on the dreariest day, I can talk about the hope in Jesus. On 9-11 at 9.05 a.m., I can talk about hope in Jesus. On, at, when, when, I'm, when I'm sick and in the hospital, I can talk about hope in Jesus. 
wherever I am, there is hope. I know I've shared some of this before, and I know I've shared it privately with you, but back a few years ago, my mother passed on. And you were very kind to me during that time, and I'm very appreciative. And you were so kind to her when she was alive. But on the day she died, she died on a Sunday. She was in the hospital. She had been in ICU. They'd taken her out of ICU because she was going to pass on, and they were giving the bed to someone else. And the doctor, who was Muslim, he he came and talked to me, and, and he said, what do you want me to do? I said, well, what can you do? He said, well, we can take her back to ICU. And he said, I said, will she wake up? He said, no. I said, he said, but we can do that. I said, I appreciate you very much. And I said, I thank, thank you for what you have done, and you've been so kind. And I said, I don't know about you and your faith, but we're Christians. And my mother, we know where she's going. We have no doubt that she's going to be with Jesus. And she's not going to be in any pain. That we have hope. And he said, wow, okay. And later that day, she quietly passed on. That's a hope that I wish every single man, woman, and child had. That they could face the last moments like that. But how many people wonder, and how many people say when they get sick, there is no God, because they don't know God. But when we have that kind of hope, that's about making disciples, so that people in their final moments can say, I have hope. I know where Jesus is, and I know where I'm going. Don't you want people to have that? Don't you wish that for others? And you know what? If I don't talk to the people in my circles, they may never hear it. I have got to share it. And I've got to take Mike on the road because he's talking back to me today. That's good. Thank you. (laughs) Disciples are also made at home you know that? So we've been talking today about get out of your comfort zone. You know, go to a foreign country, send money to a foreign country, go to your neighbors, go to downtown Houston, wherever it is you go. But it is also at home that you do that. I love what the Bible says back in Deuteronomy. This was what Israel was to do, and it doesn't change any for us. We're supposed to do the same thing. You know this is the greatest command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, not just in your head. Do you hear this? This These commandments are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do you see how important and how strong that is? Don't keep it to yourself. Well, I'm doing the religious stuff right now. Kids, y'all need to be quiet. Right now, I'm, I'm doing some things for Jesus. Y'all need to go in the other room. No, 
Include the kids every time you can. So how do I disciple, so to speak, my family? How do I do that? Well, part of it is I spend time with them, both quality time and quantity time. I just spend time being. Now, I grew up in a small town, very different than Houston or Katy or Pearland or Cyprus or wherever you live, but maybe you live close to to your house. Well, I hope you live close to your house. Maybe you live close to your work and close to your kid's school. I don't know. But when I was a kid in this small town, I'd get out of school at 3.30. On most days, not every day, but on most days, I knew as soon as that bell rang and I ran out the door, like all the other kids did, that my dad would be sitting there. He'd be in the line and I'd run and get in the car. And he would drive me home. It was a good five minutes unless we had traffic, and it took six. And he'd say, how was your day? So, how'd you do in your classes? How was math? How was science? Did y'all play football at lunch? You know, all those things. He'd drive me home. He'd drive in the driveway. And he'd say, I'll see you for supper. He did that every day. Do you realize what he was doing? I didn't even appreciate it at the time. I had no idea what he was doing. But he was taking his coffee break, so to speak, to pick me up and drop me off at home. Those moments are so important now, and I think about how little I understood at the time what was going on. Now, that's probably not feasible in Houston for you to do, but there are things like that you can do with your kids or grandkids. There are things that you can do and find ways just to spend time. So then, because I respected this man so much, and because he spent time and paid attention to me and what was important to me in second or third grade, I was all ready to listen to him whenever he talked about God. Because I respected him. Because he really took an interest in me, and I wasn't just one more person for him to convert. I was really someone he loved, and he wanted to share Christ with me. Here's another thing. Have God talk. Now, it sounds like a funny phrase, but I don't really know another way to put it. And I've shared some of this with some of you before. But when our kids were growing up, sometimes we would have devotionals together. And sometimes we'd sit down at the table or we'd go upstairs in our house and we'd have devotionals. We didn't do that all the time. And really, we didn't do it a lot, although we did some. But this is why I can tell you. And it's not because we're perfect, because, boy, they could tell you things we did wrong. But we talked about God all the time. Good grade on a test. Man, praise God. God helped you with that. You're going to take the test. Hey, we are praying for you. Let's pray before you go to school today about that that test. Bad grade on a test. Hey, understand. But we're going to pray that you do better next time. Okay? Everything was about God, about prayer, about how much God, you know, man, God, God loves you so much. I am so thankful that God has put you in my life. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that you have given me Annabeth. Or thank you, Lord, you've given me Emma. That's what I told God this morning. Because I am so thankful to God and what God's done. It's what I call God talk. Talking about spiritual things. And I'm afraid with some families, the only thing that is said during the week is said on Saturday night. Don't forget, we're getting up early tomorrow to go to church. If that is the only spiritual thing that is said in your house... Or if all that's ever said is, hey, it's time to pray, pray for the food, and you pray for the food, and then you're back to everything else, you are missing this incredible opportunity to disciple your own children and let them know who Jesus is. But if you're already doing that, great, keep doing it. 
Now here's another, include your children in your ministry. Boy, that was another thing my dad did so well at that I didn't even know. I mean, I was always with him. We'd go on a hospital visit, and I'd go too. He'd say, come on, you want to go? Sometimes he didn't say, do you want? He'd say, come on, we're going. Hey, we're, I'm going on a Bible study with someone. My mom would go, I would go. We'd all go. They'd tell me at a Bible study, your job's to take care of the kids while we have the study with the parents. Somebody would be baptized, and they'd say, wow, David, you did such an incredible job. You kept the kids quiet so that we could tell them the, the story of Jesus, and then they were baptized partly because of you. I thought, wow, I've really done something, haven't I? I was being mentored. I was being discipled, maybe the word here, all along the way, and I didn't even realize. But sometimes, instead of taking our kids with us, we leave our kids at home or with the babysitter, and then we go do the spiritual thing, and our kids have missed the point because they didn't even know what we did. Now, understand, at the same time, there are places that kids should not go. We get that. I get that totally. But there is so much they can do and become a part of it and realize this is just the way it is. I can tell you, what I do as a preacher, I am still amazed I get paid for. And some of you say, well, we'll stop paying you then. No, don't do that. But I'm amazed because I wouldn't know what else to do because this is just what I do. And a lot of that is because of great parents I had who taught so many of those things to me and didn't say, okay, now we're sitting down to have a lesson, but it's just, we're going to go do, and I learned as we went. So here's my question for us. Am I a disciple? Am I a disciple? Am I a churchgoer? Or am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? They are not the same, necessarily. You know, old theologian Stanley Howard, while some of you know, he said an interesting thing one time. He said, Jesus did not come to make us safe. Jesus came to make us disciples. Well, there's a difference. Now, we want to be safe. We don't want to get sick, and we don't want to be run over by a Mack truck, and we don't want any of those things to happen. We get that. Jesus made us to be disciples, which, meant, which what he's talking about there is not say, oh, I don't want to say anything because it might be politically, uh, uh, politically incorrect, so I'm not going to say anything. No. You lose your job for the cause of Christ, praise God. Don't try to lose your job, but praise God. People misunderstand you and don't want to hang out with you anymore. God will give you a hundred times more friends than you had before. That's kind of a promise of his. He will take care of us. We don't have to worry. We will be okay. Am I a disciple? Am I a sold out, convicted disciple of Jesus? For some of us, sometimes it's hard because we grew up going to, and, and we love all these programs, but we grew up going to cradle roll, and then we got older, and we went to the toddlers class, and then we went to elementary class, and to LTC, and to Bible Bowl, and, and youth group, and maybe we went to a Christian you know, university, and we've done, we've done all those things, and maybe it's not hit us. No, this is about me being a disciple. This is about me following Jesus. No matter what other people say, even if my spouse is not a Christian, I still must be a Christian. Even if my parents deny me or my, or my children deny me, 
I am a disciple of Jesus. And this morning, maybe you're ready to start the walk, not because of this sermon, but because of other things. And your faith is strong in Jesus. You know you want to be a person who is convicted to Jesus. And you can be baptized into Christ. You can come forward in a minute or, or after service, we can talk. Praise God, this, today, just before I walked in, we had a, I had an email that our missions committee saw, and I saw that seven people in Nigeria were baptized this morning from a mission effort that we support there. That is fabulous. Five people here recently at, at Memorial, that's fabulous. That's the beginning of becoming a disciple of Jesus. Maybe you're ready to start the beginning. For others of us, what we need is to follow Jesus in a way that we never have before. And you can come forward and we'll pray for you. Or you can write to us at elders at mcoc.org. Or you can write on our web page and find us there. We want to follow Jesus. Holy, completely, always. Come as we stand and sing.